Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the first team. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts at Joe DeLeon at Rise and Draft. And we've had a little bit of time, Ryan, to digest the 2023 NFL Draft gone through our systems and I think now we've got a pretty good understanding of which draft classes were the best and which were the worst so on today's show we're going to be doing exactly that I'm going to be sharing and Ryan is going to be sharing two of his favorite classes and then also two of our least favorite classes Ryan, before we get into it though I do want to just talk about this draft overall it was a weird draft it was a it was a really (laughs) odd draft and I got to be completely honest and this is almost a shot at every only, single only, fan base. Only be partially honest. Don't be completely honest. Shut up. <laughs> I, this is part. This is a shot at pretty much every single fan base. But I don't think there were very many actually like exciting draft classes. It was a draft class where there was not a lot of late value, and as a result, it led to a lot of reaches, a lot of bad picks on day three for a lot of teams. I don't know, man. I'm like looking back at a lot of these drafts, Joe, and I just think that the pecking order of some positions were like just odd and and very strange. I'm like honestly trying to understand a lot of the thought processes that go into some of these rankings that we saw because, I mean, we'll talk about the tight end hierarchy, for instance. We'll talk about some other positions that just didn't make a ton of sense to me. And there was also that really strange run on quarterbacks in the fourth rounds. Like, I, I wasn't expecting that, but I mean, yeah. I mean, like, Jared Hall went in the fifth. I think Tanner McKee went in the fifth or the sixth. We saw Stetson Bennett come off the board in the fourth round. We saw a bunch of Jake Hayner came off the board, which I actually didn't dislike that pick. But like, there was just this really weird run on quarterbacks in this draft as well. So I don't know, man. It was just, I'm still like getting to grips with a lot of the classes, but I think for the most part, there were some really good ones. There were some really bad ones. Like we tend to see with these types of things. So good teams that draft well, usually good football teams. Who would have thought some, and then the bad teams are usually ones that don't draft very well. So I think we're sitting here, man, and it's easy to dissect picks that we don't like. And we, and we do like, but it was just more interesting for me just to see trends that kind of continue. And some, Mm. Some positions, I guess, that we didn't have great grips on. Well, one in particular, before we get into it, the linebackers, the way that they fell as much as they did was not something that I expected at all could happen. Like, I know that there is a devaluing of the linebacker position, especially guys that play the Sam role. It's really hard to project guys like Trenton Simpson on where they're going to play in the NFL. Like, that's completely... Fair. We've noticed that, and it's something that we've talked about a ton on this show. 
But for Noah Sewell to go as late as he did, and Trent, Trenton Simpson to go as late as he did in the third round, it's strange, man. Like it, that Drew was Sanders, too. Us. Drew Sanders. Drew Sanders, but the weirdest part is that the least versatile guy, the guy who's the most throwback of out of all of them, <laughs> was the one who went in the first round. So like, I thought to myself, if Jack Campbell goes in the first round, that must mean we're about to go on a really long run of day two linebackers. And that never happened. I, yeah, I don't know happen. what the deal is, but... Honestly, if these teams want to push back on drafting linebackers, I go for it. But I just don't know if that's the best strategy. This was a good linebacker class. It was, it was a pretty good linebacker class. It was. Yeah, no, I, I like the linebacker class here. I mean, you're right because it was Drew Sanders in the third. It was it was Trenton Simpson in the third. Noah Soul in the fifth. DeMarvin Overshone, I think, was a fourth or fifth round pick as well. A guy he that actually before, had – He went before Sewell. Yeah, well, who was he? Actually, had decent 2022 film. His film was actually a lot better than what it was in 2021. So, and those yeah. all, all those guys. I mean, I guess Noah Sewell doesn't really fit into this category as much. But when you're talking about Sanders, Sewell, I mean, not Sewell. When you're talking about Sanders, Simpson, and Overshone, those are like your modern linebackers that you would envision, right? Like they're like more like yes. the safety body types, more like athletic second level defenders, and. Yeah, man, it was like kind of a we want a guy that's a little bit more of a throwback and stereotype to kind of what we had at the linebacker position. I mean, the, the linebacker order I thought was really weird. I, Diane Henley actually went before Trenton Simpson as well, which, you know, I love Diane Henley. Yeah, but that one took me off guard. I was not expecting that to come to fruition. So that was an odd one, man. Cornerback, I thought was another weird one. I mean, like we, we talked about the top of the class with Forbes going before Emmanuel Forbes going before uh, Christian Gonzalez, but like Keely Ringo falls to the fourth. I know that was obviously injury related. Jalen Jones, who was a kid that I really liked out of Texas A&M, Texas fell all the way to the seventh round. So there was like some, yeah, there was just some weird hierarchies of a couple of these positions. Before we continue on with this video, I just want to tell you folks about an exciting new partnership that we have with this channel with underdog fantasy. Ever since I joined, I've been having so much fun. There are so many different exciting games that make watching games during the offseason more exciting. I'm not the biggest basketball fan, but it has made it way more entertaining since I found Underdog Fantasy. And my favorite game to play so far, which I think you should try out, is Pick'em. It is so easy to play. Just pick higher or lower on your favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it simple. With their easy-to-use website and mobile apps, pick between two and five players to fill out your Pick'em slip Get every pick right and take home some cold, hard cash. Use code HACK, H-A-C-K, HACK, like the name of this channel. Use code HACK to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog. Go sign up. You won't regret it. You're going to have a blast. Check out Underdog Fantasy. I also want to tell you folks about our other reoccurring sponsor that we have on this channel, that being BetOnline. BetOnline.ag, which has all the updated odds, news, and anything for sports betting. It's my go-to source for when I want to be betting specifically on games. I love betting on college basketball or the NBA, uh, especially, again, during the offseason. Always looking for more fun ways to be uh, focused in on some of these other sports. It's BetOnline.ag and use promo code BELIEVE50. It's promo code BELIEVE50 to get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Ryan, let's get into it. So yes. my first class that I really, really liked, mm -hmm. 
I love what the Indianapolis Colts did. Oh, uh, you took my first one. You uh, okay. All right. Well, we'll we're gonna we're gonna agree. Um, we're gonna agree on this one. So okay, the Indianapolis Colts. Yes, they had one of the most unique strategies that I don't know why more teams don't draft like this. They literally said, "We're gonna draft the best rated athletes at every single position." <laughs> that was all they did, and yeah. honestly. I'm all for it because you can't go wrong with the amount of picks that they had. You can't go wrong drafting a ton of athletes and then see which ones stick and which ones end up developing into long-term starters. I'm talking about Anthony Richardson being one of the most athletic linebacker or not linebackers quarterbacks that we've ever seen at the NFL he, combine. He could, he could play linebacker if he wanted to. I mean, the way, yeah, the way that he's built, but <laughs> he is a great fit for them at quarterback. And that's one that I've said for the longest time his best fit was going to be playing with the Indianapolis Colts. Them getting Julius Brents in the second round. I love that pick. Tall, long corner. Tallest yep. in the class at six foot four. Stealing Josh Downs in the third round was also significant. And then Blake Freeland, Adi Odebuare, uh, Darius Rush is a good pick. I like the, the steal of Evan Hull a little bit later on. He's an underrated running back in this class. Dude, I think from front to back, this is an awesome class. And again, Everybody on here is an awesome athlete, including the last guy they took, which was Jake Witt. Yes. Jake Witt, who came on the podcast, man, 6'7", 300 pounds, former college basketball player turned division two offensive lineman at Northern Michigan. But by the way, he started out in Northern Michigan as a tight end. So at six foot seven, 300 pounds, my guy ran in the four eights and he had a 37 inch vert. So yes, they, they definitely targeted. I mean, you, you, I think you hit on it. Like if this is a, this class is a toast to RAS, right? Relative athletic score. Jake Witt they must is have a, hired Kenley Platt, man. <laughs> they, they must have hired Kenley Platt, man. Like seriously, like Jake Witt, Adia Deboire, Blake Freeland, Julius Sprantz, Anthony Richardson. All those guys are not just really good athletes or great athletes. They're historical testing athletes, man. Like Richardson, four fours in the 40-yard dash, 40 vertical. Julius Brents, four th- I think he was four fives, but he had a 40-plus inch vert, 11-foot broad jump. Blake Freeland was a sub five second 40 guy. He had a 37 inch vert, which was the highest ever at the combine of an offensive lineman. You talk about yeah. obviously Adeota Boire running 449 at the combine at 282 pounds, like just absolutely absurd. But I, Joe, I already mentioned it, right? Jalen Jones, man, was a guy that I really like at cornerback coming out of Texas AM, a guy that did not test as well as maybe some people hoped he would. He had good explosive stuff, but he only ran like four, five, seven, I think, in the 40s, so it wasn't a great time for an outside corner. But in the seventh round, pick 221, what a value to get a guy like a Jalen yeah. Jones, man. And even a couple, like Will Mallory was a guy that tested really well coming out of Miami at the Combine. I don't love his film as much as, you know, as much I as think this round is good value for where yes. he was taken, especially with the run of tight ends that happened. I, I was worried that he was going to get overdrafted, but I think fifth round is very appropriately appropriate for Will Mallory. Even Daniel Scott out of California, the safety was another guy that tested extremely well. So to your point, man, a lot of a lot of historical testers in this group. And a lot of I mean, again, taking great athletes and figuring it out, right? That's the ultimate hat tip to your coaching staff, to your developers, to your strength and conditioning uh, coaches. Let's get the best athletes, the most high upside players, 
and let's figure it out. So, yeah, man. Indianapolis Colts are actually the first team I wanted to also talk about. So you stole it, Joe, but I think it was tremendous yes. value, man. Uh, a lot of different selections. Final thought on the Colts before we get your mm-hmm. um, first-slash-second team that you really liked. Yes. I am of the belief that I don't want to draft based on goofy analytics. I'm not very pro PFF and all that stuff for team building. I think it's a fun tool to have, but to build a team based on how they're graded uh, in analytics, I, I don't think it's a great team building strategy. I think that this is the real team building strategy. Athletic testing numbers, the guys that are the best athletes. I think you can't go wrong having the best athletes. I mean, we see it happening in college football. I don't understand why in the NFL we overthink this so much. I understand you want polished guys that are going to contribute. But when you've got a young, bad team, go get as many dudes as possible. Fly around 100 miles an hour, make mistakes. Some of these guys are going to figure it out. Some of them are going to figure it out. The best athletes are going to find ways to win. Plain and yeah. simple. Yeah. No, I agree, man. I, I think that for me, it's especially when things are going to get so much bigger, faster, stronger on the next level, having these guys that don't have limitations to what kind of their athletic upside is, because you're banking on a lot of projection with some of these picks, right? Adi Odeboire is going to play a completely different position in the NFL than what he played in college. Anthony Richardson's a guy that obviously still needs development. There are question marks in this class, but to your point, Joe, again, I think that this is a this is trust, if anything, for the for the Indianapolis Colts. They are trusting their coaching staff, the developers, general manager, everybody in that room to get the best athletes possible and for them to put them in the best position to be successful. So I think that was the strategy, and I'm all there for it, man. If you can if you can make it work, I'm all there for it. Who's your uh, second team? It's a little bit of a sleeper one, man. I don't think many people are going to pick this one, Joe, but I really liked what the Arizona Cardinals did in this class, man. I really, really? do. I, I wasn't – look, man, I didn't – usually the Arizona Cardinals – I could you sent me a, in like an offhanded comment that you were like, I don't really know what's going on with this Cardinals draft. I, I did. I mean, if you need to – I think you did. I, I don't think it was the Cardinals. I think it was the – Maybe it was someone else. I forget. I know it was the Lions. Like I was bashing the Lions nonstop over the weekend. But I I really liked a lot of what they did this Hmm. draft. So you start off with Paris Johnson at pick number six. They were a team that traded back, obviously, from three all the way down to, what was it, down to 12, right? Because it was the Houston Texans that traded up for Will Anderson. But then they opted that from 12, they needed to move back up. So they recouped some draft capital and then also moved back up because they wanted to make sure that they could get their stable at an offensive tackle. So they went up and they got Paris Johnson Jr., who mm-hmm. we've talked about it, probably has the highest upside of any tackle in the class, him or Broderick Jones. You can make a case for both, in my opinion. Right. But this young man is now going to pair with DJ Humphreys to protect a quarterback in in Kyler Murray that has not been healthy consistently over the last couple of years. So getting protection, I think, was big time. Second round, you get B.J. Ojolari, who I thought was a good value in that in the second round as well. A good, really good football player. Didn't test as well, but he had really good film in 2022. I think as a hyperactive, strong, mm-hmm. powerful, long rusher, B.J. has a lot of tools. I mean, he is similar-ish to what Aziz Ojolari, his brother, was coming out of Georgia. Not quite as good, but he's a similar type of rusher, which makes a lot of sense. Third round, 
tremendous value here, Joe. A guy that I know I'm higher on than a lot of people, I think, including yourself. They got Garrett Williams out of Syracuse, who was banged up, obviously, during this draft process. But they gave him at number 72. I I will be consistent on this. I think he's a top two-round guy if he doesn't have the injury this year. I really do, man. He was having a tremendous 2022 season. He's had multi-years of production. I love Garrett Wilson as a, uh, Garrett Williams, excuse me, as a football player out of Syracuse. So I think third round, really nice selection. Michael Wilson at the end of the third round, I'm like hit or miss on. I'm fine with it for where it was though. But then you move down the board, they get a guy like Owen Popo, who is a super talented linebacker at Auburn. So needs to develop, but they get him all the way down in the fifth round, as well as Keytrell Clark, the cornerback out of the car out of um out of Louisville, who, although he is a smaller guy, so he's probably going to play nickel, he's a really yeah. good film, man. Like, he's going to be a starting nickel at the next level. So I think I look at this draft, and I'm like, you got your starting bookend left tackle of the future. you got B.J. Ojolari, who's going to start for you at defensive end at some point, probably as a rookie. Garrett Williams, I think in a if he is healthy in a year or so, he can be the best corner on this football team, in my opinion, because I think that they – they desperately need impact at outside corner. And he's another guy also that I think could play inside a little bit in a pinch. you got Michael Wilson, who's going to play a lot for you. John Gaines is a nice developmental guard in this class as well. Clayton Toon is solid insurance as a quarterback in the fifth round. Honestly, he was better than a couple of the quarterbacks that got picked in the fourth round. Clayton Toon, I think, could be a nice long-term backup. And you got Owen Popo, who I think has starter upside but needs development. Keytrell Clark, I think, is going to start in the nickel. And then Dante Stills in the sixth round is a rotation defensive lineman I think you got a lot of starters or key contributors or at least role players on this team on this team for the foreseeable future man so I actually really liked a lot of what the Cardinals did a team that I haven't heard anybody really talk about but I was going through these drafts man I'm like I like one two three four five six six of these eight picks like I think that they're legitimately Mm -hmm. good selections in the spot and tremendous value so Cardinals I thought did a really good job the only one that I don't love is the yep. Clayton Toon pick. Just in the, the only fifth round. Why, in the fifth round. But no, no. The, the only reason why is it's just I am always a advocate for drafting quarterbacks that fit with what the current starter is. And like uh-huh. I just like Dorian Thompson Robinson, I think would have made a little bit more sense is if they were going after a backup. I just Clayton Clay- Toon's such Clayton a different. Clayton Toon's a better player than Dorian Thompson Robinson, though. Ah. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like a weird, weird backup fit. That's all uh-huh. I'm saying. But no, I like the rest of this class. And I think that the, as long as they leave the first round with an offensive lineman, yeah, it's a good draft class. That's all that matters. Ryan, my second favorite class that I really liked was what the Pittsburgh Steelers did. So they traded up and they got Broderick Jones, which another one of those teams high priority to fix and bolster their offensive line. Look, as much as we've griped about Kenny Pickett being not the best option for a rookie quarterback, and I still don't have very high expectations for him. But the way you help a guy like that that has limitations, you build the offensive line around him. And adding Broderick Jones is huge. He is one of the better, more exciting tackles in this class with a lot of upside. But to then throw in Darnell Washington, his teammate, into the mix, that's a steal of a pick to get him that late in the third round. He is an extension of your offensive line. I think he's going to play really well alongside Pat Fryermuth. They're going to run the ball so freaking well. They're going to run so many two tight end sets. This is going to be so freaking fun to watch as a sicko who loves watching uh, teams that run the football. So watch out for what Najee Harris does. I then think them getting Joey Porter Jr. And this isn't because his dad played for the team. I think that fits with their physical 
personality that they have produced over the years under Mike Tomlin. Him being a likely starting corner on that defense is awesome. And then the last two here, the two Wisconsin guys that they got, Nick Herbig feels like the type of edge rusher that is a good rotational piece in this defense. But on top of that, Keanu Benton can play all over this defensive line, man. I think he (laughs) could play anywhere. Uh, He was, I think, one of the teams, or they were one of the teams that was brought up that he told us that they were interested in him. I'm not surprised that he ends up going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Dude's got a lot of upside. A lot, a lot of upside as a, as a, a rusher, as a run defender. I'm sure that they're going to be very, very creative in deploying him. That was that was one of the easiest fits on day two, I think, into this class, man, is that Keanu Benton in this team that still likes to run a lot of odd front at times. He could do some no stuff. We've talked about that. He, literally what he did at Wisconsin. But I think that he could really play that Stefan Tuitt role that you saw over the last few years. And unfortunately, yes. Tuitt had to retire. But four, four eye, out to a five at in times three tech. Like I think that he can do a lot of things for this defense, man. I will say this, Joe, I saw Kentley Platt actually posted his RAS score of the Pittsburgh Steelers in its entirety. They were another team that really had incredibly high RAS scores. The only one that I think was like middling was Nick Herbig just because of the size as an edge rusher, but all these other guys tested phenomenally well. And I will say this, they also got a couple tremendous values because of medicals in this class as well. Darno Washington, as a third-round pick, 93rd overall, he was my second-ranked tight end in this class. I think he was better than yeah. a whole lot of tight ends that went before him, man, a whole lot. And you got him because of the medicals, obviously dropping down a little bit. I love that the Pittsburgh Steelers said it seemed like they weren't going to go offensive line heavy. And they go out and say, you know what? We need to move up to get Broderick Jones because the run started, obviously, of, Bro- of obviously Paris Johnson went in the top 10. Then Peter Skaronsky goes after Darnell Wright. They're like, we need to go up and get our guys. So they went up and got Broderick Jones. And they got Darnell Washington, who was the best blocking tight end in this class. So the blocking will improve tremendously with those two guys. Biggest sleeper in the class for me is Corey Trice Jr. out of Purdue. Another mm. player, seventh round, 241 overall, that fell because of medicals. 100% why he fell. I had a I had a fourth round grade on Corey Trice. I really like him. He's a long 6-3, 32-plus inch arm cornerback who also ran in the four fours at his pro day and had a near, I think, a near 40-inch vert, if not a 40-inch vert. So that is a young man that I think if developed properly, he can be a starter eventually for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think he can be one of the biggest values in this class because they got him solely because of the medicals. His film was very good. A lot of great stuff for Corey Trice. Tested exceptionally well. The medicals caused him to fall. And I think that that's what you define as a really good draft. You got value at the top, value at the bottom, and you picked good football players throughout. You know, I was hesitant on Joey Porter Jr., but in the second round, I'm okay with the game. Great, great spot. I'm, yeah. a, I'm okay with it. I had a third-round grade on him. Second-round value on a cornerback that still has upside but needs some development, I'm okay with in that instance. I wasn't okay with him being a top 15, top 20 selection, though. But in the second round, first pick of the second round, especially with the family ties that the, the, the Steelers have to the Porter family, I'm totally good with the Joey Porter Jr. pick. All right, time to be an ass. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, I hate, Why hate, do you keep taking my, You keep taking them, man. Ugh. Because they're all obvious. I'm not taking yours, man. They're obvious. These are so obvious. <laughs> you, you could probably guess what my second one is, by the way. But I know that we're probably going to end up talking about the Lions. Dude, 
what the Cowboys did, this is a horrendous draft. And I pissed off Cowboys fans on Twitter. I pissed off Cowboys fans on this channel. I don't care. You guys shouldn't be happy with this class. I think some Cowboys fans, the rational ones, were chiming in my on my tweet and saying like, yeah, we know, we know. <laughs> you guys got to realize this is not a good draft class. Mozzie Smith, Mozzie Smith is a fine football player. It's fine, yeah. He's fine. He's not a first-round pick. He's not the 26th overall player in this class. He's not a three-down player. I don't know if he's a three-down player. Your also biggest need wasn't defensive line, and you guys try to convince me that that's not the case. You scored 12 points in a playoff game. You scored 12 <laughs> points in a playoff game against the 49ers. Why wouldn't you try to bolster your damn offense? And your way of bolstering it is drafting Luke Shoemaker, who's a day three pick at tight end out of Michigan. He wasn't even in the top five for most people. That is a reach and a half. I like the DeMarvin Overshone pick. Good yeah. athlete, good value in the third round. Yeah. Uh, v- Vilami Fihoko Jr. was one of those guys that was brought up a lot as like, yeah, like watch out for this guy, sleeper pick. I, I think it's a nice rotational edge rusher. Uh, Asim Richards, not going to play it down. This is a backup tackle that you took in the fifth round with good players on the board. I also think that this Eric Scott Jr. pick, that's a UDFA. Yes. He's a good athlete, better than his testing numbers, because apparently he got hurt during his pro day, which I did not know. Okay. And I apologize for making that mistake, but the guy's not a draftable player. No. The guy's aimless. He has I, I no direction or understanding of what he's doing. I had never even heard of him before this draft, to be honest. I never Neither did I. Him. And I looked yeah. him up and I pu- I pulled up a little film and I'm like, this guy's not a draft pick. There are better corners that were on the board that also went undrafted that would have been better than uh, Eric Scott Jr. I also do like getting Deuce Vaughn, though. I think Deuce Vaughn could be fun in that offense. Yes. But that's final thoughts. Chris Deuce Vaughn, baby, getting him in the class. It, it was. Uh, did you see the uh, nice video of his dad? That's the scout. From yeah, Cowboys, that was right? a really. That kind of ruined me being mad. I was like, oh, okay, that's a nice <laughs> moment. <laughs> uh, it was a really nice moment. But he's also a really great value in the sixth round, man. Obviously, he was always going to be a little bit down the board because he is historically small for the running back position. But his film it, it, so he's got third round film in my opinion though. Like he's got really good film, man. It's just he's 5'5", 180 pounds. Like you there's just gonna be a very small role that you're gonna be able to play with a guy like a Deuce Vaughn, man, but he's a good football player. That was easily my favorite pick of this class. I liked the Marvin Overshone pick where he was. He wasn't overdrafted. Pick 90 is just fine for what he was. Mozzie Smith is a day two run stopper with limited pass rush upside to me. I don't care how he tests and he was on Feldman's freak list or whatever. He doesn't do it on film. So at the end of the day, I haven't seen it. I don't agree. Luke Schoonmaker is a really good blocking tight end who had solid production production at Michigan. But when you talk about the fact that he was drafted over guys like Darnell Washington over well, Zach Koontz didn't go to the seventh round because of medicals, but he was drafted over Tucker Craft. That really makes that pick raise some eyebrows, man. I will yep. get quick quick shout out to the Shrine Bowl, though, Joe. The Shrine Bowl told, stole two players from the Senior Bowl. One was A. Flowers, who went in the first round, and the other one was Luke Shoemaker, who went in the second round. So good for them, I guess, man. Good for them, I guess. So that's cool. Good for them. But the rest of the class. Something we didn't. <laughs> Junior Viliamo Fioco. I think is a solid day three pick. I'm fine with that. Asim Richards was one of those offensive tackles that had this late buzz. People were trying to hype up, and I'm like, guys, that North Carolina offensive line was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Stop trying to make him a thing. Jalen Brooks was a kid that we had at College Grand Showcase. So, like, that was cool that he got drafted, but like, 
He's not a draftable player. He shouldn't have been drafted. If we're being completely honest with ourselves, right? And then Eric Scott was a guy I had never even heard of from Southern Miss. So yeah, it was a it was a class that just did not move the needle for me at all. And I just think that there was you could have Michael Mayer at twenty six, man. You could have Michael May Joe. You could have had Michael Mayer at twenty six. You, you yes. know what? I so I made that statement, and I'm like, this guy's been comp to Jason Witten by everybody. Yes. And you know what the response Dude, was? NFL Network fans? played it too. NFL Network played it up too. Go ahead. But do, do you know what the response was from Cowboys fans? It was like, oh, Jason Witten doesn't work in the modern NFL. The hell he doesn't. He just that, played in the modern that NFL. Was what, that, that was what people were trying to say to me. I'm like, what? How can you deny? What, it's just such a denial take. And it's it's, it's like it's Lakers denial, fans. Man. It's like very Yankees tough. fans. <laughs> when there's when reality sets in, you guys don't want to admit that you're wrong. It's fine. It's fine. Yep. Get pissed. Get pissed in the comments. Go for it. I really don't care. This is a bad draft class. Yes. Not great, man. It's not a great draft class. I just think there was more value on the board at several of these selections. And Cowboys didn't find it. So that's where we are. All right. What is your second team? Joe, I hate this draft, man. Hate this draft. Kansas City Chiefs. I hate this draft, Oh, Joe. I hate it. I hated it, man. Because I really thought that they were going to be a team that was just going to do what we did the scene over the last couple years and just be like, you know what? I'm just go let good football players fall in my lap. And I feel like they just let several spots. They didn't take the best player available. Felix Anaduke Izama is a fine edge rusher, man. Will be a solid, departmentalized pass rusher on the next level. 31st overall, first-round pick? Nah, man. Nah. He's just he's not a first-round player. He's just really not. I mean, again, like I just think that there were better football players in that spot than what Felix was. I really honestly feel like, for me, the Chiefs were just like, we need to get a pass rusher, so we're going to force the pass rusher in that spot. I just don't like – I don't like that – initiative because why have the Kansas City Chiefs been so good over the last couple years? One, because they have Patrick Mahomes. Another thing is that they keep letting good value fall to them and they just keep taking the best player available. You talk about Creed Humphrey. You talk about Nick Bolton. You talk about Trey Smith. They keep doing it. Leo Chanel in the third round last year. They keep taking good football players above needs every single year, which has allowed them to unlock potential in their roster for a team that has a quarterback on a massive contract. So I, I feel like that pick was against that grain. I didn't think that that was the same vantage point, the philosophy. They go to Rasheed Rice in the second round, who again, over man. Jalen Hyatt. He's not a bad football player, Rasheed Rice. But you drafted over Jalen Hyatt, but you also drafted over Josh Downs. You did that. I, I can't get on board with that, man. I can't. Rasheed Rice is fine. I think there were better wide receivers on the board. I just think there were. I think there were multiple wide receivers that were still on the board that were better. And then possibly my least favorite pick of this draft, Joe, Wanye Morris in the third round. Let me say offensive tackle from Oklahoma that people that don't follow closely. Wanye Morris is an incredibly talented football player. Is he worthy of being a top 100 pick from a talent perspective? Absolutely. And I also thought that he did some pretty decent stuff in 2022. Yeah. The problem, I have heard nothing but negative about that kid off the field. Nothing but, man. He's been suspended really? multiple times. He punched a fan after a football game last year, I think, for Oklahoma. Or if it was at Tennessee, one of those two. But he's literally has had a string of bad off-field things. So I just can't put a top 100 pick in that kid. So that's my only thing. Talent-wise, 
you got a decent talent if his head's screwed on right. But I just can't bet on that type of player. I just can't bet on him, and especially with a top 100 pick. If you draft Wanya Morris in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, wouldn't say a word because I think that the juice could be worth the squeeze and it's minimal dead cap on a day three football player if he doesn't figure it out. So that's where you take flyers on some guys that may have checkered past. So it was just too high for Wanya Morris in my opinion. Chamari Connor in the fourth round, I'm just like, man, it's eh. Eh, like it's fine. It's not good though. Like there were better safeties still on the board in my opinion. I like BJ Thompson in the fifth round as a toolsy edge rusher out of Stephen F. Austin. Think he has a lot of talent. Keandre Coburn in sixth round is fine. He's a big two down nose tackle. He's fine. Doesn't move the needle though. And then Nick Jones, who was actually on our show, was on the podcast before. I like Nick Jones. I think it's a solid seventh round draft pick. But the, t- the picks that I look at and say, I th- like those picks, I'm talking about the 6th, 7th round picks, 5th, 6th, 7th round. That's cool that you got decent value in like the later rounds, but I feel like they really missed the needle with that first round pick. I think they missed the needle with the second round pick. They just, I think they picked, I think they forced needs early. And then a couple of spots, I'm like, even when you force needs, you didn't take the best player on the board, in my opinion, at that position. So I just did not like the Kansas City Chiefs draft, man. I just did not. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you here. This is this is a weird. It's a weird draft. It's a really weird draft. That I think you you summed it up perfectly. There were a lot of reaches to fit needs. Was the approach apparently? Yes. Mine. My second one to wrap us up here. I think I'm nitpicking a little bit, and I'll admit that I'm not as angry as I am about the Cowboys one as I am about this one. Because this team is so well rounded, and they really don't have any significant needs. I'm I'm not super upset, but I just don't like the direction of this draft. The San Francisco 49ers did not have a pick until pick 24 in the third round, number 87. Yes. I think when you have limited picks, you can't draft a kicker in the third round. (laughs) You all saw the clip. I got mad. I yelled about it. I think that is really a bad roster building approach. I don't like drafting kickers that early. If you're going to draft one, draft it late fifth round or later. Those guys are are very often a crapshoot, and it is unlikely, oftentimes, that those guys succeed. And all, a lot of times, these guys get cut, which is a problem. That's a huge problem. We see guys go to rookie mini camps and make rosters. We see guys that have been out of the league for a couple of years and make rosters. It is a very weird position to scout, and for some reason, these NFL teams still try to do this where they draft guys, but. Jair Brown is fine, didn't test well, and he was somebody who was kind of a a darling of the NFL Network's coverage, which I think is fine. But for them having the ability to really bolster and shirt up this roster and take a kicker at pick 99, that's like an F pick for me. I already said that. Cam Latu, I think with other tight ends available... Was odd. I think that Darnell he's a Washington fine... Washington still there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's fine, but I just don't know if like that's who I would have gone with if we were going to draft the tight end. And you just mentioned that Darnell Washington was still on the board and I think would have fit your needs a little bit better because you already have George Kittle, who's a yep. good blocker. And your yes. second tight end, realistically, you want that guy to be a better blocker sometimes. You want that guy to be an extension of the O-line and that's what you could have gotten. I don't know if I'm really getting that with a converted defensive end who was very hit or miss, especially this past year for Alabama. Daryl Luter from South Alabama – Okay, Robert Beal Jr., very raw edge rusher from Georgia who didn't really play as much as the other guys. So that one's kind of a dart throw. 
D winter is a tiny linebacker as early as the sixth round, which is again, fine. But there's other guys that I probably would have gone with the linebacker position. Heck, I would have drafted, if I'm going to draft a tiny undersized linebacker, I would have gone with Ivan Pace before I would have gone with D Winters. Did Ivan Pace get drafted? Did Ivan Pace get drafted? No, he didn't. I knew it! I knew it, Joe! I knew it! Shut up. I knew it! My point is, this isn't a total fail of a draft because they have all of these – they don't have many needs. I just – I don't get it. I just don't get the strategy. It just seems like kind of dark throws at guys that are all going to be backups. Yeah. Which, I mean, when you don't pick it to the third round, it's it's okay sometimes to just have that right that, that vantage point, right? I mean, like most of these guys are – I mean, what do we have? We had three seventh-round picks, a six, two fifths, and you had three third-round picks. So, like, you didn't have tremendous draft capital, you know, as far as the spots. But I'll say this. None of the none of the none of the picks because I agree with you. It's not a great draft. It's not because there's literally only one pick I think that like got me excited, and that was D Winners actually going in the sixth round for TCU. Like I like that football player. Everybody else is just like fine, man. Like Robert Beal, fine. You know, like Daryl Luter, fine. I, it, so I agree with you. It's a. I think the word that I would use for this draft is lackluster. Like nothing, nothing appeals to me here. Like it's just. Jair Brown was a guy that I was super low on out of Penn State. As some people tried to hype him up. I wasn't. Cameron Latu did not take a step forward this year for Alabama. Daryl Luter's just, I mean, again, it's a fifth-round pick. So, like, he's fine. Robert Beale's fine. I like the winners. That was cool. Braden Willis, seventh-round, fine. Ronnie, Ronnie Bell, fine. Jalen Graham's a guy that I think has some upside, but, like, you know, he's a developmental Sam linebacker that played out in space for Purdue. So, I agree with you, man. I, I think it's a very lackluster draft. Jake yeah. Moody, though, man, F- future Pro Bowl kicker, Jake Moody. Shut up. You better freaking hope if you're going to take a guy this early, you better hope that he is a all right, pro Well, here's the question. That's all I'm going to say. For, for, here's the question, though. What does Jake Moody have to do in his career, Joe, for to make it a worthwhile pick for you? He needs to play 10 years. Like that's he that's that, that's gonna a kicker. That's a that sounds like a ridiculous statement, but you need to be on the roster for 10 years if you're going to go this early. That's yeah. the truth. You I mean, need to be might. a Pro Bowl caliber player. You need to be a Pro Bowl caliber player for multiple seasons in my eyes. That is that is the equivalent of drafting a quarterback in the top 10. That is quite literally the equivalent of that. Maybe even higher than that. Man. If that's possible. Yeah. No, that's funny, man. I was just, I mean, generally curious. So, so looking back at this, if we if we do dra- redraft grades 10 years from now. If we look yeah. back and say Jake Mooney made multiple Pro Bowls and he's still kicking at a pretty good level in the NFL, then you'll be like, okay, maybe yeah, I was fine. Then was I'll fine. say I was wrong. I absolutely yeah. will say I was wrong. Good. Um, I'll say I'll say that you were wrong as well. So we'll, we'll, shut we'll up. Lift, All right, we'll good enough to have stuff on. <laughs> good enough to have stuff on. At Joe Dealey on Horizon Draft, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.